and welcome to Amy and Lee Tackle. Today we're going to be tackling Taylor Swift, the Miss Americana documentary. So as you might have heard in the beginning there, we've de- decided to call the podcast Amy and Lee Tackle. So it's basically going to be a week to week. We're going to basically tackle different issues each week, give our opinions, give some pros, some cons, you know, how all this works. Yeah, just generally chat. And then we're going to give some uplifting spirits at the end of it. So then it's not all doom and gloom. Not that most of the topics I doubt will be all doom and gloom that we talk about, but we can all do with good news. Yeah, so on, on that note, this week's topic is Taylor Swift. Um, Amy came to me on this because she was really she was really <laughs> excited. She was actually really excited about this. We was actually going to do a different segment yeah. on Nestle. But that, that's for next week. Um, we've decided to talk to the real with Taylor Swift um, with her new documentary, Miss Americana. Obviously a little late on the bandwagon because it was released in january i just never watched it um but we were looking at something plus we had the tiger king that's true it took over (laughs) we watched that yesterday and from a from a film student point because i'm that nerd um it was beautifully done like the the director she's called lana wilson and she's done her previous uh documentaries they won two awards. I don't know if this one did. I haven't I haven't found anything off if it has or not. Do you know what they were? Yes. So it was one called After Tiller, which I believe is about it's following doctors who did uh, who are willing to do third trimester abortions. Oh. So it's very yeah, that's a bit dark. Yes, yeah, yeah. Ooh, that's so it's very Yeah. So that's gonna be my next one to watch because that sounds Obviously, it sounds controversial. I think we've got a new tackle next week. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) At some point, we'll get to Nestle. Uh, (laughs) And then her other one was called The Departure. And I don't know much about it, except I think it's about uh, Buddhism. So, yeah, a Buddhist monk asks what we owe to one another and provides experiences to help us find answers. So, like, about Buddhism and spirituality, I think. Both sound amazing. Uh, so they're completely different to what this one was, weren't they? Yeah. <laughs> they're all completely different documentaries. That's what I love when people, like, when directors are, like, trying all all different kinds of things. So who who knows how she got the Taylor Swift thing, but it's, I mean, she's well worth it. But it was, yeah, as you say, completely different. So, but it was beautifully done, I think. Yeah, I mean, when you, when you think about it, if you look at, like, David Attenborough, he's obviously does nature. You know, you've got mm-hmm. Brian, uh, Brian Cox, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. It's all astrophysics and space mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then this person's just going, ah, I just want to do everything. Yeah. It's like, you know what? I'm feeling this today. So, yeah, I just, I used to be obsessed with Taylor Swift when I was younger. And, like, I don't, I think it, it's really weird. Like, the, there was a bit in the documentary where, you know, the whole, well, there's two Kanye things, but... One at the major Kanye thing that was um... when he appeared on stage. Well, yeah, that's the that's the other one. That you know what I know we make jokes about that, and it's funny to like. It is funny to have that humor, but when you when seeing it from her perspective, I was just like, that must be soul shattering. Just like, oh god, you could literally see it on her face how awkward she was. Like, she I don't think she understood like what she could do in that situation. Yeah, and to be fair, like, what could you do? If, so, if someone blatantly coming on stage to be like, look, you can finish what you're saying. I'm just saying that it should have been someone else. But continue, you do your thing. It's just like, how the how the fuck are you supposed to do that? And like, throughout the whole documentary, you you sort of see her as a sort of 
non-conflict, just doesn't want a drama, doesn't want any of this. Yeah. See, that was... Because th- I remember the whole thing with, like, how she would always have her model friends and people saw her as this, like... She was... I don't even know what, what they saw her as. Just, like, this this person who thought she was better than everybody else, but she really did not come across that way. I, I wasn't sure it was she thought she was better than everyone else. It was the way it sort of... I think it was more the way it, the look came across. Like, obviously, a lot of people looked up to Taylor Swift, and then they see her and all her ma- all her male friends, and I, well, I said male, sorry, model. Yeah. <laughs> all her <laughs> all her model friends, uh, you know, and especially for like females, and all these models are like dead skinny. Yeah. And all that lot, and it it goes back to that, you know sort of modern day problem of like self-image really like a lot of girls would have looked at that and gone well i'm not that skinny yeah i get that yeah i can understand where the hate came from but i don't think it was intention like she intentionally did it or anything yeah no it's just what what's for a problem and friend oh here we go taylor swift Mm. was a perfect target for them yeah and then with the saying like how she did like she didn't label it as an eating disorder but it was it was clear she had one um, that made me think. That made me think. Oh, maybe she like. It's it's horrible to think, but it it happens in the industries. It's like maybe she really did just stick with these models because they were going through the same, and it was this kind of, like they kind of just got each other. Sort of like a solidarity. Yeah. So obviously it's not healthy. I'm not saying like, you know, it's a healthy thing to do, but I, I bet she had some sort of comfort being like. Oh, there's people who are like me, and then getting through, getting through it. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we're not doctors, so we're able to judge. No. <laughs> as, long, as long as you, as long as you're happy, that's it. We've got a bit off topic, so going back to the Kanye West. Yes, yeah, sorry. So, obviously, yeah, the MTV thing—that's such a dick move. But I think the worst one because when they showed it in the documentary, and I, d- I don't think anything was biased in it. So, it, like people can argue with me but I don't see any bias in it but the part where it was saying how she let Kanye um put a line about her in his song I think that was completely misconstrued because I doubt he would have told her hey is it cool if I say a lyric about you that's basically calling you a bitch and saying that I made you famous because no one would ever agree to that being like sure you say that about me that sounds fantastic Kanye you're the best it's just like you would not you, no one would say yes to that. So I feel like it was a thing where Kanye was like, hey, I want to write a song and just put a little lyric in about you, but didn't tell her what it was. I mean, I could understand the situation if they were best friends. Exa- yeah. Like, yeah. If, like if, if you, if you like, you know, rang me up one day and was like, oh, Lee, I've written a song. Uh, it's going to go, you know, millions and millions of people going to listen to it. I call you a bitch. Uh, I've made you famous and all that. You cool? I'd, I'd be sad with that. Because it's Literally. Exactly. And I would never do that. <laughs> I swear to you. But, but like, if it was someone who, like, you know, we've had, I've had, you know, beef with in the past and stuff like that, I'd be like, mm, you know, why, why are you digging this up again? Yeah, like it, that's it, what I'd be thinking. That is exactly what it was. It's just digging up things that she's trying to get away from because she, like, she never again was that. She didn't even say anything to him. She didn't do anything, even when the interviewers, because they were trying, they were the ones trying to start shit as well, right? When they were interviewing her afterwards, being like. So, were you a fan of Kanye? And it's like, well, I, I was, but you know. And then it's like, are you a fan of him now? And it's like, give it, leave her alone. She's just, this was supposed to be a happy moment where she won an award. And 
you're making it about drama. Well, that that's Hollywood for you, isn't it? Like you know, it's a toxic place. It's very true. But it was it was just so disheartening because it when it looked at uh when the camera went to Beyonce, she looks completely like Kanye. What the fuck are you doing? Like it was literally everybody in that was just so awkward. It it, it was it was just one of those sort of situations where I I I, I remember watching it when it happened. I didn't watch it. I watched it like sort of a YouTube clip afterwards because obviously everyone was talking about it. And I was like, and I just watched the whole thing and I was like, right. And for the whole thing, I was trying to try to get before Kanye got on stage because I thought something happened before. I didn't know he just got on stage and just kind of went. By the way, <laughs> yeah. In case y'all didn't know, <laughs> Literally, yeah. Beyonce did the greatest video of all time. And I was and I, I was trying to find out like what the build up to it was. Was there any? There wasn't. It was just sort of, it just happened, and that was the biggest shock of it all. It was just insane to see it and then be like to to go from that. Which was that like two thousand six or two thousand nine? I cannot remember. It was one of them. But then yeah, for afterwards that lyric to come up and it had been a good few years, and he just brought it up out of nowhere. But then that whole that whole bit where well how they were saying that she was playing the victim. And then she disappeared for a year. I remember that because I was like, I've not heard from Taylor. <laughs> like, she hasn't called me. Uh, I hadn't heard anything about Taylor Swift. <laughs> and it was it was just this moment of, like, watching it. I was just like, oh, my God, that's what happened. Yeah, I, I remember the whole, she just sort of disappeared for a while. Mm-hmm. And, that, and obviously she was still in people's mouths and that. And, you know, yeah, people still spoke about her and, and songs were still playing and all that. So it... You know, for someone who at the time wasn't really a fan, it just sort of, you didn't really notice. See, back in the day, I was a proper Swifty. I was following all of her stuff. And then suddenly for her to go, I was like, my God, what's what's happened? And I just, I don't know why, I just couldn't find what actually happened. Like, I never knew Kanye did that. So, like the lyric thing. And seeing it all now, it's like, my God, that's, like, it was just, Hurdle after hurdle for her. It, it it really was. I mean, what I remember, like one of the things that actually you know made me a fan of the girl. <laughs> Go on. Was I remember seeing um a YouTube like a YouTube clip years ago, and I think it was her that uploaded it as well. And it's around Christmas time, and she's wrapping up presents and sending it to her fans. Oh, that's really cute. Like if you if you ever get a chance to like YouTube that video, it's a really heartwarming video, and it's definitely worth a watch. And it. It'll probably change your perception that she's selfish and all that because she really puts thought into all these presents. She knows who her fans are. Yeah. And these aren't just like, you know, fans that sort of, you know, pay to do this or anything like that. These are just fans that she's gotten to know through her career. Yeah. That's that's one of the sweet things as well. I remember seeing, I think this was when she came back actually, because I, I remember it was for, um, God, I can't remember the name of the album, but the We're Never Ever Getting Back Together. She had this whole house party release for it, and it was literally at her house. And she had picked a couple of her fans. Again, same, I don't think they paid. She just picked them being like, hey, do you want to hang out at my house and we celebrate the countdown till my album comes out? Yeah, it was it was it wasn't that on the documentary? I think there is an album where it's going onto iTunes. That's true. I actually and they're all sat around and they're all sat around and they're all waiting for it to go onto iTunes. Maybe I don't know because it looked that, different. That, in fact, that's, that's the most, that was the most recent album, actually. Okay, there you go. Then no, this was the one. This was the one before. I think I'm gonna say it was 1989. I thought it was Red. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm losing my swiftiness. 
Let me find this out. So more, more on the actual documentary itself. It goes through basically her entire career. Yes, also you were right, it was red. Uh, Who's the real Swifty now? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm cancelled. <laughs> yeah, so going through the actual documentary, it starts. It does start off like when she's dead young and you see her like playing in little places, like doing proper country-style music as well. Yeah, like showing had, her background. Yeah, she had a proper, proper country accent as well, which made me, it just made me happy because I was like, oh, she is a little country kid. And then, like, because I kind of forgot about that because obviously her change in the music, it was just like, oh, yeah, she used to do like very country stuff. So, and to be fair, when she says that, and she said she says it as well, like, female artists will have to, you know, reinvent themselves, be innovative constantly. Mm. You start to think like I I can only think of a handful of male singers who actually had to change. Like Brandon Urie is a good example. Like he's one who went from Panic at the Disco emo style to mm-hmm. what he is now. Yeah, and he works in both ways. Like you know, you can't really say this one's better than the other because current Brandon, you know, for me it's not. It doesn't work, but it works for millions of other people, and they absolutely love it. Yeah, I I loved his Panic at the Disco stuff. Like that was for me, like growing up. Yeah, <laughs> so I no, always legit. have a spot for like them. Yeah, you know, them albums. No, legit. We saw, uh, we saw him in concert, and it was incredible to see because obviously they do the throwback. So he was singing, "I write since not tragedies," and it was like, "Oh my god, this is proper the emo days." And then he was doing, um, "Hey, look, ma, I made it." And it was like completely like jazzy, just so like very uplifting fun. And I was like, I'm one of the millions that it works for because I was just like, this is really fun to go from this to like just going mental, having all this fun. And that's that's what Taylor did as well. It was like I think the difference with Taylor and Brandon is that Brandon's gone from a band to just an individual singer. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So that's why he's had to reinvent himself. But I was thinking that if you look at people like uh, what's it, Lewis Capaldi, mm. he's he's basically himself on stage. He doesn't have to put on this person. Like you can tell, you can tell he's just a goofy idiot on stage. <laughs> like yeah. a lovable goofy idiot, but he's a goofy idiot nonetheless. Like you can see it right straight through. If you watch any of his interviews afterwards. And so he just seems like a, such a fun, like a fun person, and you can tell he's not putting it on. Yeah, and he just—he truly just does not center himself, which makes it that it just very fun. But as you say, like very himself, because I'll see random videos again, compilations of like his um, Instagram lives or just random videos he takes of himself, and he'll just. They'll just talk about stupid shit and just have fun with it, and it's brilliant. Yeah, and he seems like so like relaxed. But if you watch the like the other hand, uh, I'll give you a good example, like Beyonce, who when she's like sort of on stage or she's in an interview or anything, you can feel like the power, the energy coming from her. Mm-hmm. And I bet as soon as she gets home, she slumps on that couch, belly out, going. <laughs> 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 Literally. And it's like, that's the real Beyonce coming out right there. You know what I'd love? It's like, when she, she's just come off stage, like, the thigh-high boots and bodysuit, all that, she gets home, throws it all off, puts her dressing gown on, puts her hair in rollers, like, face mask and everything, gets her child, just holds it, <laughs> and just vacuuming the floor. That's let's, the Beyonce for me. Let's Jay-Z out the basement. Uh. <laughs> She's a powerful woman. She's a powerful woman. But it, it, goes, it goes to show because she never really looks that relaxed. 
compared to, and I'll give it like Ed Sheeran, Louis Capaldi. Yeah. They look so, so relaxed. They could probably fall asleep on stage and nobody would notice. <laughs> Same with like Post Malone. He looks like he looks tired after time. Mm-hmm. Every single like mumble rapper, but that's probably because, you know, they're probably dreaming about all this. Just... <laughs> uh, yeah, you get people like Eminem and, you know, he goes up and he's like very aggressive natured person. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he just goes on about you know all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And then when it comes to any sort of female singer, it's sort of like the strong, tight, you know, almost like it's a facade. And it's like, all right, I've done this facade for a couple of years now. Best mix it up so I don't fall out. Again, back to the <laughs> to Miss Americana. Um, I was I was searching up about stuff as well because I didn't want to I didn't want to be biased just with watching the documentary i wanted to make sure like is there something we're not seeing is there something that's like is the things that she has done that is not okay and one thing that i found was like at the at the um i think it was the new york times they wrote in an article that she was an underdog uh, underdog and then i said i found in this other article that was basically basically slate in the new york times i cannot remember which um which article it was like who did it but they were basically slating it being like well she isn't actually an underdog because her mum was I want to say a homemaker or something like that and her dad was a stockbroker um so they like you know her parents her mum would help her get to like karaoke things like drive her there to help her out but uh sorry and her dad later in the in the in the process uh he bought a label company to then help her and I was like okay but Throughout all this, she wasn't at any point being like, Mom, Dad, do this for me. It was literally, she was still writing songs. She was still like getting ready for these things. She was still putting in all of her effort. So it was like, yeah, maybe she's not an underdog because she did have help from her parents. But I'm sorry, any parent whose child is like, look, I really want to do this. And you see the effort they're putting in and you see all the hard work that they're doing. You're not just going to be like, nah, like you're going to you're going to help. Yeah, I, I was I was gonna say something then. Um, like a lot of people go, oh, she, you know, she had better advantages to life and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, you know, oh, it's because of her parents and that. But I don't see why we blame her parents and not blame everyone else's parents. Let's be Literally. real. Literally. <laughs> well, let's be real. It's not her parents' fault. You're not successful. Ex- exactly. Like it. It seems to be the, the um, like. Music. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but you know, it's usually oh, when everyone tells them no, but they fight through it anyway. It's like, yeah, that's a great story, and it's good that they got through this. But I find it very heartwarming that the parents believed in her this entire time. Was like, look, we're gonna help you. We're gonna get through this. You just keep working hard. It's like that's very wholesome. You don't, you don't always need to be like the the mean parents and just, just yeah, yeah. I mean, on, on, on top of that, I, I, yeah, I understand, like, not everyone's parents would be able to buy a, a music studio. Yeah. Yeah. It's not what we're talking about in this when we're saying this sort of stuff. A, a good example would be, you know, kids that like to play football. Yeah. You know, obviously as a kid, most kids, like, especially lads, they want to become footballers, rock stars, and all this sort of stuff. And it's sort mm-hmm. of like, if they want to do that from an early age, I don't understand why parents shouldn't encourage it. Like, for example, take them to go play football. Take them to go watch football. You know, take exactly. them to shows. Teach them how to learn an instrument. You know, yeah. it's all this stuff. This is the stuff that will build up to someone having the opportunities for a career in that industry. 
not, oh, you had rich parents that could buy um, a studio. Like, that's obviously very helpful. But at the end of the day, the stuff that does help is teaching the kids the skills that they need to succeed in that industry. Yeah. And you see it. You see it over and over again, especially in football. You know what I mean? Like, kids who their parents took them to football games. They, you know, sign them up for like an under twelves team, under elevens, under thir- you know, what all that sort of stuff. So they were playing football from a very young age, and then they just happened to get found by yeah. an, an, you know, an actual football team, and they've built from that. A good example from this as well, uh, Luke Matheson he used to play for Rochdale. He he was only seventeen years old when he scored against Man United, and he's the day after that he had an exam. He like he was still in school. He still had all these opportunities, and he's you know he's from Manchester, so he's not coming from this big high end family who gives him everything he wants and all that lot. All he wanted to do was play football. He wanted to play football of his life. So his parents give him that opportunity by letting him play football, taking him to play football, and now he's signing on for a Premier League football team. He's probably going to be making money. He's still going to college and going to university and making a life in case it doesn't succeed but he's doing what he wants to do because his parents supported that that's all it takes is that support not necessarily buying all this expensive stuff just that support of you can do it sometimes it doesn't even cost a lot like as you're saying with football in schools you know there'll be teams all the time it'll be after school i used to be on the netball team and that was like you just you'd practice that every tuesday and then you go into tournaments and do all that stuff so it's like it's not it doesn't cost a lot it's just you, you literally stay an extra couple hours and then when it comes to t- like the schools will even sort out transport there transport back all that stuff and even they'll they'll i'm sure obviously there's like music lessons but they'd also do it outside of school as well where it's like oh let's learn guitar or something yeah i'll i'll, I'll actually give you like a little fun one about me oh go on so do you remember in like year five? Okay, you, every, I think every school does this, where you go swimming with school yes. for like three <laughs> weeks, and it's like the best time ever. Mm-hmm. Bear in mind, uh, I went I went to swimming lessons since I was like four years old, so I'm a very good swimmer. Sure. So when it, <laughs> oh, I, I know it gets better. So when it when it gets when it goes to like year five and all that sort of swimming thing, I was very I was a lot better than everyone else. I know that says like really stuck up. <laughs> Stick with it, okay? I'm sticking with it. Don't you worry. I, I know I was better because at the time I had I know I went to lessons all the time. I went swimming all the time. My parents actively took me swimming a lot, so I naturally learned how to become a good swimmer. You know, I was constantly being taught how to swim and swim better to the point where at the end of that sort of three week thing, I got invited back to the swimming baths to basically start learning how to play water polo for which if anyone doesn't know what water polo is it's basically you've got football posts in the water or on top of the water sorry and you have a ball and you have to throw the ball in the net in the water from the water and it's really brutal it's really fun you know what i would totally fail at that because (laughs) i loved swimming don't get me wrong but the best i could do was doggy paddle (laughs) and we just never it was just my little arms and legs. I just couldn't couldn't get it right. So yeah, so I I started learning. I started learning that from a really young age. Like you know, when I was actually playing water polo, I was playing with adults. All right. Do you know what I mean? This is like for me, like year six, year seven. Yeah. Because there wasn't really a kids team. To be fair, that's one of the reasons why I had to play with adults. But yeah, you know, I was still doing water polo and you know quite high, 
quite a high level compared to what it other places. Yeah. And then the reason the reason that all stopped is because my parents got a divorce. And as soon as that happened, I they stopped taking me. So I stopped playing and that and you know, you do sometimes wonder, don't you? Like, what if I carried on playing that? There's not many people that play water polo. I could have been an <laughs> Olympic <water>. athlete now. <laughs> <laughs> the water polo champion, Lee Fellow. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Like you just makes you think like all it would have taken really is that to continue. Yeah, again, just the support. And then that's, do you know what I mean? That's a gateway into professional sport right there. And, uh, you know, that ended because of a divorce, which, you know, you can't blame anyone for. People fall out of love. That happens. Yeah. And that, But it just goes to show you, like, that's the stuff that you need to sort of develop or become into, like, this industry you want to go into or do stuff you want to do. It just needs that support. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So we've gone way off Taylor Swift here. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine, we're getting to know each other. Uh... <laughs> so, another interesting point of the documentary that I found, uh, two points, okay? One of, them, one of them was the lawsuit against David Mueller, the radio host. Oh, that's, yes, that's exactly what I was going to talk about next. Please go. <laughs> and that, and, <clears throat> do you know what, like, it's one of those things where it, it is quite an inspirational sort of story, how this became almost like a turning point for her in her career because mm-hmm. in her entire career it was like i don't talk about politics i don't talk about anything because i do not want conflict yeah like any any yeah any interview that she was on you would you'd physically see her stop herself from talking and just like like look down almost in shame being like i can't think this i can't do all this and it's just you can yeah like i'm only here to make music that sort of thing like mm. these opinions should not be allowed out yeah that whole mentality that she had the i'm i'm you know the good girl i've got to be quiet and smile and wave that whole thing yeah and then this this whole lawsuit so if you've not seen it there is a picture of it she she's basically being groped yeah it's not even you can't even excuse it as like oh touching the lower back which by the way i'm just gonna say if you're couples i get it but if it's like a professional photo like you're both you know in in the industry but you're not that close don't touch the lower back oh better one don't touch a person without their consent yeah literally just like hey you could literally just be like hey is it cool if i just like put my arm around you wait for the reaction don't just be like because it's just it it was just it's gross it's honestly gross and then what i will say before we get into the sad bit about it i did love how it was portrayed in the documentary like literally it had that it it gave all all the emotion of just being you know like it the drawings of the of the court but it was all blurred out faces and it was just it was beautifully done but but it, it just got you right in the heart being like god this is this is what it's like yeah, and, you know, she even came out saying that, you know, she just felt dehumanised. And this is a woman who's, you know, she's made millions and millions of dollars. She's mm-hmm. a very wealthy, rich, white American. And then she's going into all this situation feeling dehumanised. Imagine if that was someone who didn't have money, didn't have wealth, did not have the look, you know, didn't have the background, didn't have any of all, you know, the sort of advantages she had. Imagine how horrible that would have been, like, going through that system. You don't feel that, probably don't feel that good about yourself anyway, because, you know, you don't make a lot of money or anything like that, or you don't feel good about yourself. And then you're going through that whole process because it happened to you on a night out. Yeah, exactly. And it with with what she was saying, this these are the ones that 
piss me right off when it's those questions of well why didn't you do this well why didn't you step away why didn't you do why is it up to the why is it up to the victim to do that the other person shouldn't be doing this so don't twist it i get that lawyers you know who are on the opposing team they've got you know it's their way of winning the case but it's just such a disgusting thing because i remember did you watch um there's another documentary uh three girls i have not Okay, I think I think you'll know what I'll talk about, but it's basically about the Muslim gang in Rochdale that was getting younger girls. Oh, okay, the grooming gangs. Yes, yes. And I, I'm so bad at remembering names, but it was like the one... I don't think she was a social worker. I think she was at... I know she was at the um, sex clinic, but she, this woman, she was keeping track of all, like what the girls were saying, what they were coming in for, like who they were mentioning, all this stuff, like to to bring these people down honestly incredible i highly recommend it i think it's on bbc iplayer so you ever get the chance that was another one where i was just like angry with the world (laughs) but um the same thing in that one there was the bit where one of the lawyers was saying to the young girl who at this point so when it was happening to them they were about 13 14 but when the actual court case happened i think she was about 19 so still like still basically a child but it, it, it was this thing where he was saying about uh surely you like the attention or like you know it was this it was turning it in this way where even in the courtroom people were looking at him like did you really just say that to her so that with the with the taylor documentary the exact same the the same feelings came up of like how can you do how can you put it in this in such a way where it is yeah it is dehumanizing it's disgusting yeah it's that sort of like narrative it's like look why did you if he if he did this why did you move away why did you not scream for help in a public in a public place filled with cameras, paparazzi, and all this stuff. Why did you not scream for help? And it's like, well, that whole like I mean, it's coming out more and more now that how toxic Hollywood actually is for all this. Yeah. And this isn't just female females it's happening to. It happens you know, it's happened to Terry Crews. Yes. And it happened to, yeah. you know what I mean? And this is one thing that interested me is that when it happened to Terry Crews, nobody in the courtroom stood up to him and said well, if it happened to you, why didn't you scream? Why did nobody ask Terry Crews that question? But they asked it to Taylor Swift. Exactly. Or why did it, said it, I'll rephrase that actually because it's Terry Crews. Why did anyone, you know, why did anyone turn to Terry Crews and go, why didn't you punch him? Why didn't you do anything about it? Yeah. Do you know, it was just that sort of everyone just straight believed Terry Crews. Yeah. Which, but. Wh- not, not, not that anything's wrong with that. You know, like, Terry Crews is a very. You know, authentic person, lovely, lovely guy, and everything. And you know, I completely hundred percent stand with everything he yeah, stood exactly. for. And plus, like when and agree when the him. victims are like, all you want is for the victims to be believed. That's all the victims want, just to just to get the story out to be like, look, this happened to me. And you, the whole point is to get the backup to be like, I, you know, this happened. Like, why would I make this up? It's great that he was believed, but it is that double standard of why isn't taylor believed and like you were saying before like she had she was saying how she had the photo there was seven witnesses there was um you know all all this stuff and there was still a debate still this huge like huge portion of her life trying to sort this thing Uh, it's like all right i can understand when people say what about false rape accusations okay this i we have to bring this up because this is the argument yeah this is the only reason we bring it up. Nope, that's fair. So, and it's like, do you know what? If someone does give a false rape allegation and they get found out, that girl should then be criminalized, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, no, okay. 
because obviously it's false. However, however, it does not justify not believing people in the first place. Exactly. And I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a good uh, some little statistics here. Yeah. I, I was just about to jump into that. You <clears for it. laughs> So this is from a journal on PubMed.gov. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's in the U.S. National Library of Medicine, and the title of the article is called "False Allegations of Sexual Assault." An analysis of 10 years of reported cases. This is by a guy called David Lissack. And in this thing, he says it's around 2 to 10%. 2% to 10%. That's the false ones. Of all false ones. So if you had 10 10 cases, for example, less than one of those, or basically up to one of those, or less than, however you want to look at it, will be false one. And you're you're going right. I don't believe the other nine of you because of this one. Exactly. You and I, I, I sort of understand that. It's like, and then people will sort of twist that argument in a silly way. And <laughs> the best way I the best way I've ever heard of it. Oh, okay. Here we go. The best way I've ever heard this sort of explained is like, well, if you had a pack of Skittles and you knew one of them was poison, would you eat them? Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> That is such a silly way to look at this because, well, you know, shock and horror, people aren't Skittles. Yeah. <laughs> I know is, you yeah. want to believe the adverts. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I know how badly you want to believe the adverts. And Everything... Don't get me wrong, I wish we were made of Skittles too. Everything you touch is Skittles. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we were made of Skittles too, but people are not Skittles. You cannot categorize them like that and that's that's such a yeah that is a ridiculous argument because it's 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 how is it threatening your life like some someone else's story how is that affecting your life because quite frankly it has nothing to do with you it is their trauma it is their it is their right to come out and say what has happened and I un- I do understand that like, you do need the evidence, but like literally Taylor had it all, and still there was these questions, and it was just even when you have everything, you're still going to be questioned like that, and it's just it's heartbreaking. Yeah. and it it sort of stems to that you know everyone's you know deserves a right to a free trial, which I hundred percent agree is a great addition to yeah, our yeah. Le- you know to the legal systems. You know, it originally came from the Magna Carta. In the twelve hundreds, that's where. Yeah, trivia. that's where. Okay, like everyone deserves the right to a trial. That's where originally it sort of came from. Um, yeah, I understand. I, yeah, I understand. That, you know, everyone deserves a right to a trial and all that sort of stuff. But it should, well, when it's going into a trial, it should be based upon facts and you know evidence and stuff like that. Not asking the victim, but you enjoyed the attention, though, didn't you? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It shouldn't be that. Because that it's just some fucked up mind games. It's all yeah, it is mind games, and it's bullying. You know, it's harassment. In my opinion, it's unethical. And it's just it's yeah, it's adding to it because they, they've literally gone through something awful. Yeah, and do you know what? This is um sort of one of the big eye openers for me, right? Of how deep this sort of runs. Okay, and yeah. anyone that's listening, yeah, I urge you to do the same. 
And you'll probably be shocked at the results of this, as I was. And I can't remember where I saw this. Okay, um, it was it was on one of like Reddit or something like this. This was like about two, three years ago. Okay. It was a big list, and on this list were different things that women do to protect themselves just going out. And at the bottom of the thing, it says, "Ask a female in your life what they do." Okay, so I thought, all right, uh, I went to my housemate at the time. You know, she's a, you know, she was strong. She was tough. Like, nobody messed with her, you know, and all that lot. And so I thought, she's going to be the exception here. Mm. And to my surprise, you know, she'd have protection in a bag. She'd, basically, she'd only leave the house before a certain time of the day. She wouldn't be out by herself after a certain time. If she was coming home from work and it was very late, she'd opt to get a taxi instead of walk it, despite it only being a 10, 15 minute walk. And it was like, it was just sort of an eye-opener. It was just like, wow, even, you know what I mean? Like, this this is one person who I thought, this would not really affect, but it's to the point where even the strongest women in society mm-hmm. are even doing stuff to protect themselves. Like, I don't think, personally, when I go out the house, I don't think, how can I protect myself? Yeah, because d- truly, you, you wouldn't, yeah, truly, you just wouldn't have to. That's just the, di- that's just the, the difference in, well, between males and females. It is literally... And you know what? I'll ask you, Amy. And we'll we'll, pr- we'll we'll see if we can basically prove this or not. If you don't do anything, be honest. That's fine. We'll just see. It can make some good conversation. Uh, what yeah. do you do if you're going out? Okay, I'll give you a scenario. Five yeah. five o'clock in the evening. Yeah. Okay. You're going to Manchester. What would you do to protect yourself? Well, I have a. I actually have a little pepper spray um, uh, thing that looks, obviously it looks like just perfume. So I'll have that with me. Uh, if I'm going on a, on a tram, if it's packed, I will make sure that I'm stood up near the doors. Um, if it's not, I'll make sure I'm either close to a door or far away from people. Going into Manchester, most of the time keeping out of people's way. If it does get dark, then it will be right. I'm not going to go through alleys or anything it's not going to be you know i'm not i'm not going to put myself in sketchy situations so it's just a lot of forward thinking being like avoid certain areas that just shows us that i i had no idea of any of that yeah yeah before there yeah so if that was me at five o'clock in the evening and i'm going out to manchester well i'll sell liverpool I, i've done it where i've had to go for a night shift so i've had to be yeah. in liverpool at 10 p.m to start my shift and about nine o'clock uh the only protection i have is my shoes because i just put shoes on to protect my feet <laughs> from the walk that was literally it like i had no thought of what if i'm attacked what if this happened none of that ever processed in my head and this is something that i feel males especially need to get around mm thinking all right it's like all right if you see a female and yeah she does look a bit worried and all that yeah. do not approach her if you see a woman yeah. by themselves do not approach her do not go up to them and start asking and saying you're a friendly guy you might very well be the friendliest person in the world but literally if truly if it's dark and a girl hears that if a, if a guy is coming up to us saying i'm a nice guy then it's that whole thing the nice guy facade like we're just I mean, not to generalize but i feel like most women have heard that so many times and it's like well you're not so we're not gonna the best that. thing you could do is to leave them alone okay 
However, yeah. if so you see someone approaching her and you know basically backing her into a corner or making her feel comfortable, feel free to step in, tell the guy to back away. You know, let her know that you know mm-hmm. someone's got her back. Make her, you know, try and make her feel safe. That's all fine. That's all sad. But if you've got no reason to go up to a girl, do not go up to her, even if you wanted to ask her out. Yeah, there's a time. There's a time and a place. Do not even worry. There, yeah, <laughs> there is a time and a place, and it's like yeah. You know what I mean? Like how many, how many stories do you ever hear of a couple that got together and they went, "Oh, he approached me on the train at ten o'clock at night." No, you never hear that. This never happens. Literally, I get just a like the the amount of stories as well where it's like if 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 a guy does come up to a girl to ask to go out, if she says no, suddenly she's a bitch, she's ugly, she's you know scum and whatever. And there's cases as well where a, like girls have said no to guys and they will literally murder them. So it's like no matter no matter what we do, we're at we're at risk. <laughs> it's just like it's it's so sad how the how this is how it is, but it is literally how it is. And it needs to change. Also I'll weigh on this a little bit as well, because I know I know a little bit about sort of this topic, not the murder bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's my department. <laughs> so I you know, I, I bet you every single girl has been asked out by a guy. And they've rejected that guy, and that guy's not taking it well. And they've either done something like they've avoided the girl, they've stopped speaking to her, uh, they've gone to mm. name calling, they've gone to shame them, they've done, you know, obviously not all at once or anything like that, but you know, if one of at least one of them reactions. Mm. And this is something that you know, I I I get the mentality of where it comes from from a male because I've done it myself. I'll admit that. Yeah, I've done it when I was younger. No, this is before I knew any of this stuff. I before I understood any of this stuff. Yeah, which I understand yeah. how it comes across to a guy. Like you know, we do have very fragile egos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, not, it's not. Like, a just just to give some credit, it is like it's it is that thing. It takes a lot to ask some, like ask a girl out. I get that, but it's it's one of them. Like I like I remember at uni when I when I asked someone out and she basically just said no. I was just like, all right. And it's just, it is that thing where it's like, you asked, got an answer, don't worry about it, you've got the rest of your life to live, you do not need this one thing to affect your life. Do you know what actually would be the best situation, or best thing to do in this situation for a guy? Go on. To be that, what most people think, you know, like that Jersey Shore scumbag and all that sort of stuff, you know, (laughs) the guy who goes girl to girl to girl to girl, be that guy. (laughs) Because if you go to a girl and she says no go to the next one there's a hundred billion more of them do you know what i mean go to the next one she says no all right cool see you later go to the next girl all right cool see you later (laughs) you're not gonna run out anytime soon i guarantee you (laughs) i mean the whole night to play maybe if you go at that pace you might run out yeah but that's that's you know it's that that truly would be better to be fair i mean i'm sure the girls would be like God, he's asking everybody out. But it is, you know, it is that thing where it's like, hey, the that, more you do it, the easier better. it gets. Yeah, I'd take that over murder any day. But it is that... Th- I think I think I get a girl to take that over any sort of harassment I mean, any yeah, day. it'd be great. <laughs> it's, not harassment to, it's not harassment to ask a girl out. Yeah, literally once, that's... get an answer, and then that's it. It's when it's like that... repeatedly asking, or like pre- the, the pressurising and all that. It's just, there's no need for that. That's when it becomes the problem. Mm-hmm. And it's just there's no need. So, yeah, back to Taylor. Yeah. 
back to Taylor. We are really not good at staying on topic. I think we sat after that last week we, as we well. We did, we did. But you know what? This week... There we go. Catchphrase. <laughs> it works. It works towards everything we're talking about. So yeah, that's that's the whole thing with the um, the court scene. Uh, wasn't there another one you wanted to talk about? The se- a second point you had. It was the politics. Ah, yeah. Which we sort of did. This will probably take a minutes. <laughs> yeah. So from from the thing, uh, obviously that court case was like a turning point to her. Like we to explain how she was before the interviews. Yeah, yeah. Like before the court case. Sorry. And after it, she sort of just turned, and there is literally a quote that she says to someone. I don't know who she's saying it to because I, I only know Taylor on it. Really, that's fair. <laughs> and she looks into us as someone, and she goes, "I just want to be on the right side of history. I don't want to be someone that just, you know, that came out on stage and said Happy Pride Month, everyone, and then didn't speak up against any justice." Yes, I think she was saying that uh, to her. I think it was actually to her dad. It was either her dad or her or her um, agents. I know her mum was sitting next to her, and obviously was on her side. I think she was arguing with her dad. Basically, the men in the in the situation. So yeah, and then you see, like you know, the governor who was running for Tennessee. Mm-hmm. You know, she wanted to basically abolish all gay rights, all basically women's rights, which is despite being a woman herself. And Taylor, do you know what Taylor really perfectly summed it up mm. in one way? It's like the woman to get votes. She's being the person men want her to be. Like that, you know, that sort of 1950s woman that would just do whatever you say. Yeah, which is so sad because, like, women in politics is like, like, obviously, there needs to be more because, I mean, everywhere is a male dominated thing, but we all want equality, blah, blah, blah. Um, It's insane for her to have. I'll never understand when specifically women, where it is like abolishing their own rights, why would you ever think to do that? If you think of how far we've come. Why would you want to backtrack? Why would you want to go back to having to st- like having to stay at home to look, just I don't, not hating on people's lifestyles because I know some people that's what they want to do and that's fine. We like live your life. That's the whole point of these rights. Why would you want to take those away? Yeah, precisely. It's that sort of like you can be that woman if you want to who stays at home, looks exactly. after the kids, cooks and cleans. You can be that like stereotypical you know housewife you can be that like that is but that's your choice and that's the whole point however that should not be every woman's choice yeah because there are some that want to get out there who want to work for a living who want to do like do their own thing that's that's the great thing about today we have these choices we don't want don't want to bring it back don't don't put it back to where we're half confined against you know yeah like you know like you know, people have got that choice. Women have got the choice. If they want to be a business owner, they can go and do that. If they want to be, you know, a footballer, they can go and be a footballer. Mm-hmm. You know, if they want to go do computers, science, or anything of them topics, they can go and do mm-hmm. that. Exactly. Yeah. That as well. When she was like saying how these are Christian Tennessee values, and Taylor straight up was like, "That's not." Like she, Taylor was like, "I'm Christian. I'm from Tennessee. These are not the values we have." Like there has, there's this whole. I know, like a lot of people hate on religion. I understand why, but me for one. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I understand where it is that thing of a lot of Christians or Catholics or whatever. Like it is just their beliefs, 
and most most do not want to hurt anybody they just believe so that's that's what we should focus on as opposed to the terrible things she's trying to do and then cover it up as like this is my christian values like it's not yeah like that's that's one thing i was gonna say like uh, i obviously don't hate religion like hate 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 and all of that sort of stuff i think it does yeah. a lot of good for people yeah. okay however what um the part that I, no the part i have with it is mm-hmm. it's more yeah. to do with how people follow religion yeah, yeah. and I'll, I'll you know some examples is like people tend to pick and choose the sections that they like that's the ultimate sort of you can't you know, it shouldn't be like that. If you follow a religion, you should follow it to the dot. Not, I don't like that, and so I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna ignore that. You know, for example, if a man laid with another man, they should be stoned. Which, in my opinion, that's what Tom does anyway, because he's high when he's with another man. Wait. <laughs> like... God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Uh... Quick shout. Was, out, quick shout out to Tom there. <laughs> no there was um i'm gonna misquote it so i'm gonna paraphrase but like that that quote you said um i remember seeing i think it was on reddit as well like this guy was saying oh you know because of you know a man shouldn't lay with a man because whatever uh do you hate gay people and this christian was like well no because i believe this quote from this other section um which was basically love thy neighbor like you want to be loved or whatever and i was just like that's how you should think you shouldn't be like take all the negatives and be like I'm going to hate this entire group because of this. Instead it should be like the love and positivity because that's that's what religion is supposed to be. Mm, the only group you should hate is Desley. That's for <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, these teasers. <laughs> but yeah, to, to, to round off the uh, documentary experience, I think one thing that made me very, very happy with it as you were saying, like the, the whole political side like i like that she finally had a voice and she wasn't afraid to stand up like she just she just had this switch in her which was like i used to want everybody's approval but now i'm like i'm happy with myself for this other reason and it's just it it, it was it was just a nice character arc almost it was just she she found her own happiness in a in a way she didn't expect to yeah and we are actually coming up to the one hour mark now i know we've done very well (laughs) so we are going to move on. Yes, go right ahead. To the, I'm not sure what to call this segment yet, because I'm probably going to do it each week, but it's sort of like around the web. Yeah. Around the web. Around the web. Yeah. Go right ahead. Like, you know, <laughs> when, when we get a bit more technically advanced, we're going to have like a theme tune for that. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> it's it's going to be amazing. Okay. So, we're going to start off with Ali, uh, Ali Ermi. So, Ali Ermi passed away on the 15th of April this year. He is known for playing uh, Gunnery Sergeant Hartman in the film Full Metal Jacket. Incredible role, by the way. Just Incredi- Incredible role. A couple of things about that. He wasn't initially casted to play that role. Yeah, He was originally the military advisor for the director. Really? Yeah, so the original actor, I can't remember his name, who was supposed to play the sergeant, could only shout for 30 minutes a day. Oh wow! Because <laughs> just didn't have the lungs. Yeah, just yeah. Now Ermy, he he actually used to be a drill instructor in the military. Oh, that's so cool. So he stepped into the role, and this is one of the things I dug up is that apparently he every single insult in the actual show was made up by him, 
and he had over 150 pages. What an icon. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Like, like, insults that include, you could suck a golf ball from a garden hose. <laughs> <laughs> Which is one of my favourite ones. <laughs> So every single insult, everything, pretty much is him. This is sort of, he knew what a drill instructor was, how they worked. So he was perfect. He was destined for this role. I'd love it if like, you know, when they've done a full day of shooting and then it's just like, right, we're going to do this again tomorrow. Everyone get a good night's sleep. And he just stays up an extra hour just being like, this one will be good. Oh, this is going to be perfect. Nah, I'm not going to say that. I'll say this one instead. Just like, I, I, I can literally imagine that. <laughs> it'd be so perfect. Just his little lamp on being like, hey. Oh, well, uh, rest Aww. in peace to him. He was honestly rest... such a good role. He was in, an incredible actor. But yeah, rest, rest in peace. I, I... In terms of like drill sergeants on TV, I don't think you'll ever get better. Than oh him. no, that's that is a role to live up to, truly. We're going over to Canada now. This isn't sort of new stuff. This is just stuff that sort of come out over the last few years. Okay. I say the last few years. It's so it's it's come out in the news over like the last year or so. Okay. Yeah, but it never got really much attention, and I just want to bring it out. So there's a entrepreneur called Jim Estill. Yes. Okay, and during everything that was going on in Syria, Canada was opening its border to Syrian refugees under certain circumstances. Jim Estill personally went to Syria and flew out over 300 refugees and brought them back to Canada. Oh, wow. He has spent over $1.5 of his own money looking after these people. He got in contact with the Israeli population. Well, it's an Israeli a Muslim population in Canada mm. and managed to get people housed, managed to get people jobs. He personally pays for every single kid's school. Oh, and their education. He's helped all, uh, currently, he's helped 89 families, most of which, the, uh, some of the people in there, most of which have started their own businesses now in Canada and are basically full, well, coming becoming full citizens. They've got businesses, they pay tax. This is all through his own generosity. He's done this. Canada's just so much better than us. <laughs> like, <laughs> truly. That's that's how... That's can, that's just incredible. Like, that's what you're supposed to do when you're earning millions or billions or however much you have. Like, like That's a very heartwarming story as well. It is so heartwarming. That's beautiful. That's a, can, can you imagine if... if all the billionaires and millionaires got together to do exactly what he did. We'd be, we'd be, the world would be great. Yeah, the world, the world would be great. And, but I mean, I don't think it'd be great, but it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. You know, like, you know, you got some billionaires who wanted to restore Notre Dame, but this guy went and looked after human beings that were actually suffering in a war zone. Yeah. And he's flew about and he's given them new opportunities, a new life. He's basically give them a second go at life, and that's 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 all that's all they want. That's why they're going to other countries to get that second yeah. chance. If you're worried, so next next says you, if you're worried about your nan on the internet, <laughs> do not worry because Google okay. every single day since lockdown has been blocking over eighteen million scam emails. Oh wow! That is per day. Jeez. So if you've got a nan or a granddad. Or a mother, or a dad, or just an old person in your life who is, you know, you're a bit worried about the man falling for scams online or emails. Get them onto Google. Yeah. Get them onto Gmail. Yeah. You know, 
Oh, that's brilliant. Well, get them onto Gmail. Hopefully we'll be sponsored by them one day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that'd be perfect. <laughs> Similar story. Have you seen what ITV and BT have been doing? What have they been doing? BT and ITV are basically doing all these cute little tips. So like they're explaining WhatsApp, like where to get it, what to do, like literally going in, in depth. Like obviously people like you and me know what to do. But it's very sweet when it was just, so here's how you do a phone call, basically for free. And then like getting your uh, groups together, things like that. And then yesterday they did about podcasts. And it was just like, here's the apps you can get. And you just search the kind of thing you're into and just that. And it was just, it's re- I find that just such a simple but clever thing to do. Because obviously still in lockdown, people will need new ways to, well, like this is the time for them to figure these things out. Yeah, going on to that, no, like a lot of people like, you know, you know, they hold, turn the nose up at stuff like that and it's going on. It's such simple stuff. Yeah. Using a computer. And I, I've got one I've got one thing to say to people like that. Is that. At one point in your life, you had to be taught how to use a spoon. <laughs> so, Literally. you know, let's, let, let's get off our high horses here and let's, you know, let's help people. One little tip I've got for people. This helps with my granddad. Okay. Oh, yeah. When he was learning the internet. So you can actually change the icons on your desktop. Oh, I didn't know that. Change it to something they know and they will remember. That's literally like, obviously, you know, you can, if, you, if you've got Internet Explorer, click the big E. Yeah. But most, this is what I've had, most old people, they won't think Internet E. Yeah. They won't, they won't think that. Yeah. Mm. So, you, you know, just ask them, like, what, what picture would you like to click on to get the Internet up? Yeah, like what will make you remember this? Yeah, when uh, I went a car. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I changed the icon to a picture of a car. So I said, whenever you want to go on the internet now, click on the car, and the car will take you to the internet. <laughs> That's really cute. And it works. It really works. Like it's such a simple little thing. You've got to change. You remember, it, a computer. You can change stuff about. You can edit it however you want, unless it's an Apple. Mm. You know. At most desktops, you can change stuff about. So if you, you know, do stuff like that, that stuff really does help people remember and learn stuff. Yeah, that's very sweet. That's that's that is a nice note to end on. That is a very nice note to end on. Well, thank you again for listening. Yes, this is the second episode of Amy and Lee Tackle. We've tackled Taylor Swift, <laughs> in the, not in a violent way. Um, <laughs> Nestle is the next big thing we want to tackle. However, if you have suggestions, feel free to you know. Drop us a comment, drop us a like, drop us an email, a message, you you name it. You just drop us whatever you want. Yes, and, we'll and, and as well, any any uplifting stories as well. If you find something very nice in the news or just, just something you find anywhere on the internet and it's just very heartwarming or anything like that, feel free to send that as well. Or you could be yourself. If you've got a story to share, let us any, know. Any, any small victories or any happy, just little happy moments. All right, well, thanks again. Yes, thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next one.